Amen. We're going to go to the word of the Lord tonight. I do have a couple of things that I want to just say before we get started tonight. And um, you're going to hear me say this more than once um, because I'm making an appeal to someone who said they're listening online. And I don't know if they listen to every service, so I'm going to try to hit a few services to make sure they hear, uh, make sure they're listening. And I'm certainly not in any way trying to put anybody on the spot, but I was very moved. One of our guests this past Sunday left a note here, said that it was quite a drive to make it to our church. They had, I guess, taken a screenshot of our website where it says that it's my goal to start churches all around the Kansas City metro. They circled that little bit and then drew a little arrow and said, when? They said, we've got a whole group of people that are waiting over on the Missouri side. They're hungry. But here, here's the thing. If you're listening tonight, and again, I'm... Church, you're just going to have to put up with me saying this in a few services because I want to make sure that she hears what I'm saying. But, but she left no kind of contact information. And when they say the Missouri side, that could be anywhere from Platte City to Peculiar. I, I have no idea where. I don't know where they are. And, and we'd love to do something. But we've got to have some kind of contact information. So if you're listening tonight, please, please get a hold of us. And you can send, you can send me an email directly, bishop at olathatruth.com. Or use the general email for the church, info at olathatruth.com. You can call the church, leave a message. Phone numbers on the website. Obviously, they're going to the website. But some way, let us know how to get a hold of somebody. Because we can't accommodate this request if we don't know where you are. So I'm making a very honest appeal. And, and listen, it, it really is still my goal to start churches all over Kansas City Metro. Brother... Brother Mike Gardner still on my list. We're going we're gonna to have something in Gardner. It's going to happen. But we're going to have something in Missouri too. We, God's going to help us. Now I don't have the manpower right now to start a bunch of churches. I've, I've sent out every ordained preacher we got Except one. And I'm going to be selfish with him for a while. And uh, so, but we will do something. We will do something. But we need to hear from you. We need to hear from you. We need some kind of contact information. If you will reach out to us and let us know 
We'll do what we can. Praise God. So, I don't know if she's listening tonight. I have no idea. But I've said it. And I'll say it again Sunday. And uh, say it for a few services until I hear from somebody. One other thing before I get into the word of the Lord. I know you're standing. I am aware of that. One other thing that I want to say, and I really wrestle with even saying this. But because of something that happened Sunday morning, I feel like I owe it to the church to explain to you. I don't know if you noticed. I know a few of you did. I heard you start praying. In the middle of my lesson Sunday morning, I had a bout with one of these severe stomach incidents. I don't really like to call it a cramp. It's the best way that I can describe it. If you've ever had a Charlie horse in your leg, it's like a Charlie horse right in the center of my gut. And, and the pain reaches a level that I honestly can't even speak. And I was in the middle of trying to teach when it hit. And, and for a few moments, I, I thought, you know, people are going to think I lost my place or something because I couldn't talk, I couldn't say anything. But it, it eases up. It doesn't last a long time, and then it's gone, and it leaves a little bit of soreness, and then, and then I feel fine. I feel like nothing ever happened. But this is the first time it's happened to me while I was teaching, and so when it first started happening, it was maybe once every couple of weeks. It wasn't, it wasn't very often, but so far this week, it's been twice on Sunday. In fact, it happened again right after I turned the pulpit to Brother Hall, and I was actually right in the middle of I think it was just starting to ease up a little bit when he asked me to pray over the message. And I was having a hard time getting words out then, but I was starting to feel a little relief. I don't know what's causing it. I had a, a doctor. It, it was not from an exam. He just listened to the symptoms. He said it sounded to him like my intestines are actually twisting. And he said that's some of the most severe pain that a person can feel. I, I do have some tests scheduled, not for this week. They're getting me in a week from Friday. I say this not because I want sympathy, not because I want pity. I, I do desire your prayers. But I just want you to know if something happens, I'm not developing Alzheimer's. I'm not, I'm not losing my place. I'm not forgetting where I am. It's just that the pain is so intense that I can't speak. And hopefully it never happens again. But I just, I really felt like I needed to explain to you so that you would know. I don't want to, especially we've got first-time visitors sitting in the house. I don't want to say, look, I'm in severe pain right now. I, you know, I just, I don't want to do that. I my mind is on, I want to reach these folks. I want to be a blessing to these folks. I don't want to become the focus of attention. 
I want the word of God to be the focus of attention. And so, just so this church knows when this happens, you just pray for me and and understand what's going on and um, understand that I'm not going to explain. I'm just going to try to keep going. Uh, I'm going to try to press my way through it because it generally doesn't last more than a minute or so. And But I'm going to tell you, it's an excruciating minute. A minute doesn't seem like a lot of time until you're in extreme pain. And then that one minute can be a lot. And then, like I said, once it starts easing up, it's a slow process. And then... Finally, when it eases up, it leaves a little bit of a soreness, and then finally it'll be gone. And the whole thing may take five minutes, and then it's it's over with, and it's like nothing happened. So I'll get back to where I was. You just have to be patient with me and and understand what's going on. So I'm sorry that I have to take time out of the service to explain it. I thought about doing it at the end of service, but I thought, what happens if it hits me again it happened last night just before I started class. I was getting ready to teach. I'm teaching for Bishop Howard's college. And just before class started, it hit. And um, so I don't know. So far today, thank God, I haven't had a problem. But uh, that may mean it's going to hit while I'm trying to teach tonight. I hope not. But I thought, I don't want to wait until after service. I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and let the church know what's going on. And um, I, I do, I think if you've been around any time, you know I, I'm not one to complain about my health. It's just not in me to do that. Now I do to my wife. I'm a baby. I'm, I'm telling you. When I get a cold, it's worse than appendicitis. It's, but that's a guy thing. You know, the dad flu is way worse than any female flu could ever be. It just is. I know that because women get the flu and they get up and they cook and they clean. And men get the flu and we're bedfast. I mean, we're not doing anything. So what we get's got to be way worse than what they've got. And I've got 100% of the men behind me right now. Just hoping that one day you ladies understand. Um, so my wife does hear it when I'm hurting, when I'm in pain. I will tell her. But, but I think you know I'm not one to bring all of that to the church. I just try not to do that. But I felt like this is serious enough. And it's happening frequently enough. You need to know. And um, Lord willing, it won't happen. But um, if it does, you know. All right. So let's put all that behind us. Let's act like I never had to say anything. And let's just get into the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are continuing on. This is our sixth lesson. Not sixth part to a lesson, but our sixth lesson. In this series, some of our lessons have had two or three or four parts to them, but as far as the lessons themselves, this is lesson number six in our series 
on understanding separation. And, and let me tell you, this is to me extremely important. This is extremely important. I, I know, I have heard from people who have honestly, they've been in the apostolic church all of their life. That when I start teaching on separation, many times I've had folks come to me and say, I've been in this my whole life. I never understood why we did it until now. And, and so this is necessary. Because unfortunately we've come through a generation or more where the only reason given was obey them that have the rule over you. That's the only reason that was given. And, you know, that's enough for me. But it's not enough for everybody. And I have found that people are more likely to obey what they understand. And I can promise you, if you want to understand... If you'll let me get through this series of lessons, you'll understand. If you want to understand. Now sadly, some people don't want to understand because they just don't want to live this way. They just don't want to. And so they don't want to understand. So their mind is not open to hear what the scripture says. But for those who want to understand, I'm going to do my best to give you the reasons behind it. To explain to you why we do the things we do. And up until now, we've been dealing with the importance of separation. We've been dealing with the importance of standards. How we set standards. Why we set standards. But now we want to start getting into the specific standards themselves. And why we teach these things the way that we teach them. And again, if you really want to know, you really want to understand, you will by the time I finish this series. I'm going to give it my best. And if there's something I don't cover thoroughly enough, I promise you, I don't mind sincere questions. The teacher in me loves questions. I don't like attacks, but I love questions. And there's a difference. When somebody sincerely wants to know, they sincerely don't understand, and they have a genuine question, I'm always open to answering those questions. Somebody asked me something the other day about why we did something. I said, just wait, I'm going to get to that. So that may be the answer I give you right now. But I will give you an answer from the scripture before this series of study is over. All right? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 
If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, before I get any further in this lesson, I just want to point out to you, this is the book of 1 Corinthians, not 1 Chronicles. Now, why do I say that? I say that because some people say that, well, everything you preach is just Old Testament. We don't go by the Old Testament anymore. Well, yeah, we do. But for those who don't like holiness preaching from the Old Testament, I just want you to notice this is a New Testament passage of Scripture. And in the New Testament, the God of the New Testament says, because he's the one inspiring Paul to write this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Right? So God's the one inspiring this. And the Bible says, if any man defiles the temple, God will destroy that person. Now that's the New Testament God. So God still feels pretty strongly about His people living a holy life. Hallelujah. Because the temple of God is holy. And you are that temple. You are that temple. And so tonight we are going to talk about a clean temple. A clean temple. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. name. Would you praise him one more time before you're seated, everybody? Let's give God some praise. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I just realized what time it is. I'm not going to get very far in tonight's lesson, but we'll get started. Hallelujah. And, uh, We'll take however many weeks we need to take. Now, I've made mention already of the Old Testament that, yes, we do believe in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was not done away with. It was not done away with. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Some people have this idea and attitude that, The cross destroyed the law. That's not biblical. 
Jesus made it clear he did not destroy the law. And in fact, if you make a study of the new covenant, the new covenant was based on the old covenant. And the old covenant was, you have to keep my law. But the old covenant, the law was written on tables of stone. But the Lord said, the new covenant that I give, it's not going to be on tables of stone, but it's going to be on the tables of your heart. But it's the same covenant. You're still obligated to keep my law, but now I'm going to write it in your heart when I fill you with the Holy Ghost. And again, I would stress, I've said this over and over, I would stress it again, but it is, it is significant that the title God chose to describe the indwelling spirit is not the love spirit. It's not the joy spirit. It's not the peace spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Now why did God choose that adjective? Because that's the main purpose for the Spirit dwelling in us. He does provide love. He does provide joy. He does provide peace. But He came to make us holy. And anybody that claims to receive the Holy Spirit, that it doesn't change them and make them holy, I'm telling you, something's wrong with the Spirit they got. It's not a Holy Spirit unless it causes you to be holy. If you can still cuss, If, if you can still um, mistreat others, you can still drink, please tell me how this spirit has made you holy. In what way are you any different than you were before? This is a holy spirit. Alright? Now, when we, when we look at the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is our basis. As, as I've said so many times, the, the, the apostles didn't have a New Testament to preach from. So whenever they got up to preach, they had to preach from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament... The Bible says that all of those things happened for our examples upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now look, if anybody's living in the age in which the ends of the world has come, it's us. So he wasn't just talking about the New Testament apostles. He's talking about us. And so everything that happened in the Old Testament was given for our example in 2023. And I want to tell you, when you read through the first five books of the Bible, you'll find explicit instructions. Really, you got to get past Genesis, but from Exodus through Deuteronomy. Those four books, there are explicit instructions about the care and service of the tabernacle. Right. 
how it's to be built, how it's to be cared for, how it's to be moved, what you do with it, what you do when you're in it. I mean, God took a lot of time and a whole lot of His Word. He used the space of His Word to talk about a building that's not even in existence today. Why? Because it was given for our example. And if there's anything that you learn about the tabernacle or temple of God, it is this, that that place was holy. It was holy. When the Philistines took possession of the Ark of the Covenant that belonged in that tabernacle, God plagued them. I would say He became a pain in the neck to them, but it was um, the problems were a lot lower than that. God attacked them. And I mean he plagued them. You hear me? Why? Because they were not a holy people. And they were handling holy things. God made it very clear. Even when Uzzah touched the ark. As a Jew. He fell dead. Because God was setting a precedent. Those things that I call holy, you better reverence them as holy. If I say they're holy, you better respect it as holy. King Belshazzar brought out the holy vessels that had been captured from the temple. Started drinking from them. And you know what happened? The fingers of a man's hand appeared and started writing on the wall. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom's going to be divided. God pronounced judgment and that very night, Belshazzar met his demise. Why? Because he was handling holy things in an unholy way. Listen, all of these facts are examples of the truth that God will not tolerate the abuse of holy things. Do we understand that? If God says it's holy, He will not tolerate the abuse of holy things. So with that in mind, let's go back and read our text again. Brother Hilton, read for me 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Mm -hmm. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall him God destroy. Him shall God destroy. Why? For the temple of God because is holy. Because the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Now, I've got to be honest with you tonight. I'm, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in just a moment. But really, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm just being honest. That passage is not talking about your body. 
This passage is talking about the church. And, and, and that you, you see that in context because what Paul is dealing with here is all the divisions that are going on within the Corinthian church. Go back and read it. He's dealing with all the divisions that are going on within the Corinthian church. You've got this one fighting against this one. This one, you know, has got issues with that one. You've got all these things going on. And, and Paul says, wait a minute. This church is holy. You'd better be careful how you're handling this church. You better be careful. How you handle the church. You know, I know I could be, I could be labeled by saying what I'm about to say. I, I could be labeled as a cult leader. But, but I just want to tell you, it's troublesome. When people begin to run the church down. It bothers me. Because I see that as extremely dangerous. God's church is holy. If you've got issues with God's church, you need to pray about it. But when you start touching it. And you start attacking it. You're... you're that's a place I wouldn't want to be. I just wouldn't. You know, it, it's amazing. I, I, I heard my pastor say one time, he said, he said, you know, there's really two kinds of backsliders out there. There's two kinds of backsliders out there. He said, there are backsliders out there that they'll tell you, I'm lost. I know I'm lost. But if I ever want to get right, I know where to go. That church has got the goods. I know I need to go back there. They'll tell you they're not living right, but they will not speak against the church. And then there are those who want on every occasion to run the church down, to find fault with the church, to find fault with the church members. They want to run the church down. And he said, I'm telling you, I've watched it through the years. Those backsliders never, never seem to recover. There's something about touching what God deems as holy. That's just extremely dangerous. But this is not what this lesson's all about. I want to specifically talk about an individual temple. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now. Now in chapter 3, again, context, he's talking about the church as a whole. But in chapter 6, he brings it down on a personal level. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is. Your body is. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God marks that temple as holy. And from that moment, He expects you to keep it holy. 
It's the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God. You don't belong to yourself. He claims your body at that moment. It now belongs to Him. It's not up to you. What you wear, what you look at, what you listen to, what you do, that's not your choice anymore. You belong to God. You are not your own. Verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Because he bought you with a price. Therefore. Therefore. Glorify God. Glorify God in your body. And in your spirit. And in your spirit. Which are Which are God's. You see God considers your body a holy temple. And God looks at that holy temple as something that must be respected. It must be cared for. you got to treat it like something holy. Well, praise God. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Your body is reserved for His holy purposes. That's why this same principle that He used in chapter 3 applies in chapter 6 because He said that if you destroy the temple of God or, or you defile the temple of God that God will destroy you. So whether he's talking about the church as a temple or your body as a temple, if you defile your body. Now what does it mean to defile it? To make it unclean. If you allow your body to do things which are unclean, then it becomes defiled. And at that point, God says he will destroy it. Or he'll destroy you if you defile his temple. So, therefore, every sincere Christian ought to ask himself, How do I defile my body? What are things that I could do that would cause my body to be defiled? And how can I purify this temple? Is defiling the temple purely a spiritual matter? Or is it possible to, to defile the temple by physical actions? Now, I, I want to tell you that this whole idea of a defiled temple is not, this was not something new to the Jewish people. They knew what it meant for the temple to become defiled. And in fact, you can go back and read the rabbinical teachings, the teachings of the rabbis. And, and it's interesting. They said that if someone who was charged with caring for the temple simply neglected their duties, the temple became defiled. Just because they didn't do what they're supposed to do. It defiled the temple. 
Could the temple then become defiled through physical actions? Absolutely. Yes, it can be done through spiritual means, such as when Antiochus Epiphanes offered a pig on the altar in the temple. It became defiled. That was a spiritual matter. But I'm telling you that there were physical things that caused it to be defiled as well. If it wasn't kept clean, it was considered defiled. If somebody failed to light the candles, it was defiled. There are sins not only of commission but of omission. That can bring defilement to a holy temple. Now I know this is, this is heavy stuff that I'm laying out tonight. But this is an extremely important topic. Now again, for full transparency, when you study 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now this is a principle that applies to more than just the subject at hand. But the subject at hand was moral impurity. That's what he's dealing with. In fact, let's back up to verses 15 through 18 and see what leads up to these verses that we just read. Where he talks about defiling uh, or, or your body being the temple of the Holy Ghost. Just before he says that, let's start with verse 15 and here's what he says. Know ye not that your bodies are, your the, members bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined, he that to, is the joined Lord to the Lord is, one, is spirit. one spirit. Flee fornication. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. All right, that's, those are the verses that lead us up to verse 19. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. So the, the, the topic at hand was moral impurity. He's dealing with fornication. He's dealing with moral impurity. And so we need to understand that, that this is a principle. That yes, you can do things physically that defile the holy temple of God. Paul takes a physical act and shows that it has spiritual consequences. In fact, if we go on in context, we get to chapter 7. Chapter 7 verse 1 says this. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness from of all the flesh. From all filthiness of spirit. the flesh and spirit. Perfecting, perfecting holiness, holiness in, the fear, of in God. the fear of God. And so I submit to you that perfect holiness is not just keeping your spirit right. That's what a lot of people want to tell you today. Well, as long as you keep the right spirit, you're holy. No. He said you've got to perfect holiness through... Through cleansing yourself from filthiness, not only of the spirit, but of the flesh. There are outward things that defile the temple as well. 
There are physical activities that defile the temple of God. Hallelujah. And so we need to stop and think about the things that we do and ask ourselves, is this having an impact on the temple which is our bodies? Is it having a negative impact on the temple which is our body? So, you know, and, and I'm starting, I know it's, it's been kind of heavy leading up to this point, but, but in all honesty, I said we're going to deal with specific standards. I'm going to start with something that I don't think most of you are having a problem with. Uh, there may be a few new ones that may struggle with some of these things, but, but I think for the most part, most of you have got these whips, so you can kind of breathe easy perhaps for the next few lessons now that I've got the heavy stuff out of the way. But we want to talk about defiling the temple, defiling the temple of your body. Then we need to think about things like smoking, drinking, Drug abuse. These are not just physical matters. They have spiritual consequences. Mark chapter 7 verses 20 to 23 lets us know that really they start inwardly and work their way out. Mark 7 verses 20 to 23. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murderers, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evils come from within and defile the man. So these things... These things start as a matter of the heart. But notice the things that he lists. Every one of them, well, most of them, are physical actions. Right? Adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, blasphemy. Most of the things that he lists here are physical actions. And he's letting us know that there are spiritual consequences to these physical actions. And it's clear from the scripture that sin has to have a body through which to express itself. And this occurs as the members of the body are yielded to sinful practices. I've got just a few minutes here. Uh, let, me, let me try to at least get through a couple more scriptures. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members, Don't as, yield your members as instruments, as of, unrighteousness instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God uh -huh. as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Right. And then verse number 16 says this. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, 
his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So I submit to you, it is possible then to sin with the body. Sinning is not just a matter of wrong attitudes and wrong thoughts. Right. Though it can include those things, it's not limited to those things. Sin can be accomplished with the eyes, with the ears, with the hands, with the feet, with the mind, with the mouth. You yield the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness. And that's why Jesus said what he did in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where, the, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now, now, look, Jesus is not telling us to literally go chop our hands and feet off and pluck our eyes out. What he is saying, he's trying to make a point that it is much better for you in the long run to not have that member if you can't control it. But the, but the thing that you ought to focus on is not cutting the hand off, it's learning to control it. So that you don't go into hell. You don't want to end up there. So get control of your eyes. Get control of your feet. Get control of your hands. Get control of your tongue. Well, praise God. This body is a temple of God and it needs to remain holy. Don't take a holy temple into unholy places. Don't play unholy music in a holy temple. Don't look at unholy things from an unholy temple. Or, or unholy things from a holy temple. You need to guard the holiness that God has declared upon your life. Guard that. Protect that. I'm telling you, there was a man by the name of Phineas. An Israelite got really bold and brash. Went and got a woman of the enemy. Brought her in. Committed fornication with her. Into the midst of, of that holy place. And Phineas took a javelin and ran it through them both. And you know what God said? God said, because of this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a lineage that won't end. God was so impressed that Phineas was defending God's holiness. 
Listen to me, saints of God. You want to make an impression on God. You want the favor of God. Learn to defend God's holiness in your life. Don't look for ways to get around what the standards are. Don't look for doing the bare minimums of what's required. But learn to love God's holiness and say whatever it takes, whatever I've got to do, I'm going to defend the holiness of God in my life. Well, praise God. It's amazing to me how many folks will get up and change churches because they find somebody that let them do what they want to do instead of loving God's holiness enough to say, look, I don't care what I've got to give up. I want to defend the holiness of God. I want to keep things pure. I want to keep things godly. I want to keep things righteous. Well, praise God. We need to examine our physical habits to be certain that we are not engaging in sinful practices. Since it's possible to sin with the body, and since the body is the temple of God, we need to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh. It's 9.02. Come to the music. I'm going to stop right here. Lord willing, next week we will get into some areas of danger. Some things we need to avoid. And we'll talk about why we avoid them. We're going to get into some things in the next few weeks. And um, now like I said, now these first few weeks you can kind of breathe easy. I don't think most of you got a problem with drinking. I hope not. If you have a problem with drinking, I hope it's just that you drink too much water. (laughs) Or maybe too much soda pop or something. I hope that's the only problem you've got. But just in case anybody wonders. Because you know we do have, we were talking about this the other night, but it's, it's amazing that most, most Christian denominations do not use alcoholic wine for communion. But surprisingly, there are some apostolics that do. And uh, I'm talking about apostolics that otherwise are very conservative. But um, we don't. And I'll explain why. We'll, We'll deal with that. Because we're going to get into this whole idea and and the prohibition that God gives. We'll we'll deal with some things here. Um, I'm not going to tell you everything that we're going to deal with. Because one of the areas may get a little close to home. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I just know I want to be holy. I really do. I desire to be holy even as He is holy. I want to be what He wants me to be. I'm not looking for ways to get around His holiness. I'm not looking to see how much I can get by with. I want to know how close I can draw to Him. Well, praise God. Let's stand tonight, lift our hands to the Lord.